Morning, Dave. Morning, Greg. How are you today? Uh, waking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's early for you. It's a little early for me. Uh, <laughs> Seven a.m. Yeah, thank God. But that's all right. Here. Yeah. Uh, happy to be on the show a little bit early on a Medic Monday. Yeah, the bonus. Uh, looking forward to discussing the uh, the Maricopa audit results. I thought it was a nothing burger. Nothing to see here. <laughs> uh, a lot of people thought it was a nothing burger, apparently. Yeah. yeah. But we know that's fake. It's fake for yeah, me. Well, false. apparently they didn't read the report. Yeah. Um, no, they just skimmed high, uh, highlights and, and headlines. Highlights and headlines. Yeah. Well, you know, highlights and headlines don't always tell the whole story. No. Uh -huh. No, and normies don't have a lot of, they don't got a lot of time to sit through a three-hour hearing either. That was pretty fascinating. I, I spent the time in the hammock chatting with people <laughs> and yeah, watching. It yeah, was, was great. No, that's cool. I was uh, obviously, well, if I was on Twitter, I would have been live tweeting, but I was on Telegram, so I was live telegramming. I, I thought some very interesting information uh, came out of the hearing, and there's even more in interesting information in the report, if you read it, I, I started digging through it yesterday. Uh, and I found some, I found some very interesting stuff in there. Um, and as you probably saw, I was posting my digs on Telegram yesterday, mm -hmm. and and there's some very, very interesting information in the written report that wasn't mentioned in in the uh, in the hearing. And I think that. Um, it portends some bad things for the bad guys and some good things for the good guys. We'll Although ultimately it. what's going to come of this, I don't know, but we, we can, you know, we can do some spitballing and uh, <laughs> speculate a little bit. So yesterday on Telegram, uh, I posted screenshots from the written report uh, of things that I thought were interesting and then I just provided a little bit of commentary. And I'm going to go through some of them this morning. Greg may or may not uh, be catching up with me on, on the screen caps. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So let me get my glasses on. Here. Well, I've also got the article that you put up too yesterday. Um, okay. The, the 10 takeaways from the from the Maricopa audit report, which everybody yeah, should I'm, go I'm over. I'm basically and... going to kind of read from that. This is what I what I felt right after the report was given is that it's not complete. This is not the end of the story. Mm -mm. Um, when, when I heard the report, um, I was like, okay, what happened to the discussion of the thin ballot paper? Mm -hmm. uh, what, you know, that was over a hundred thousand, I think it was around 160 or 170,000 ballots that were printed on unusually thin ballot paper. What happened to the kinematic uh, artifact detection. What happened to the Sharpies? What happened to 
all that stuff. Like they never even mentioned any of that yeah. in the in the hearing. And that was kind of a big deal in, in the July hearing. So I was Could that like, be stuff well, that they held back though? Well, yeah, it is stuff they held back because that inspection's not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what they're... I learned. I'm like, oh, the audit's not done. Okay. So and, and I kind of I knew that because we know that they um, the supervisors never turned over the, the logs. They never turned over the routers. They never turned over the passwords. There's a lot of information that they withheld. So we knew going into the um, into the presentation of the report, we knew it wasn't a complete report because we knew that there was information that was withheld. And the county and Senate, they struck a deal where the Senate is going to get access to that information uh, at some point in the future. So then Ben Cotton and Doug Logan and their teams will go over the information that they get from the logs and routers. And then there will be probably another report or two issued at a future date. Okay, ben so we Cotton, knew. Yeah, Ben Cotton was like, like the most exciting part of the audit for me on Friday, honestly. Yeah, me too. He, he brought the receipts. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Ain't no denying that. In the July hearing, Ben Cotton, kind of everybody's jaw dropped when they heard what he said about the, the deleted uh, files in the database. Yeah. So we, we got confirmation on that in, in the presentation of the final report. But like I said, it's it's not really a final report. I mean, it kind of is. You know, it's, it's a final report, but it's not the end because there are gonna, going to be more reports coming forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that the most damaging information was not presented in this report because I believe the most damning evidence was withheld. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why they withheld it. They withheld the logs and routers because that has probably the most damaging information. Yeah. So if and they withheld the screenshot of the people that were uh, logging in and doing things. Yeah, exactly. If, if people were underwhelmed by, by, by the audit report, that's fine. Uh, you know, a lot of people were disappointed, and that's always uh, a factor of your expectation. What were you expecting? Were you expecting that Trump was going to be installed back in the Oval Office the next day? I mean, if that's what you're expecting, you had unrealistic expectations. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that. I think, you know, like, oh, the rally's coming. They're going to re-inaugurate him in Georgia. It's going to be wonderful. It's puppies and kittens, man. It's it's all over. The storm has passed. And it's like, no, that was never about whether or not Trump won. I saw it in the chats, too, you know, immediately when that was yep. going on. It's like people, they're not saying they're not saying who the votes were for. It's like Yeah, the, the, and to, to credit Karen Fan, she, from the beginning, made it very clear this was not about putting Trump back in the Oval Office. This is about looking at our election here in Maricopa County and identifying problems and fixing them. And if that leads to um, a decertification of the election, if that leads to uh, some kind of action by Congress, if it leads to a court overturning the election results, that's fine. But that wasn't what was going to happen mm -mm. Uh, when the report was issued on Friday? That just that just wasn't what they were going to do. Um, it's it's a, it's a small part of the process. It's a very large process. It's a long process, and we, we had uh, a large step 
forward in the process on Friday. So uh, I apologize to anybody who had their expectations uh, not met, but that's on you. Uh, I, I had pretty low expectations going into this. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't. I mean, you and I talked last week. You said, oh, what are you expecting out of the report? I was like, I was expecting a lot. Well, I, I got exactly what I expected. Um, and I kind of knew what Ben Cotton was going to talk about because he talked about it on uh, in July. And he gave more color, more detail on what he had talked about in July. Uh, and for his part, they found that um, the entire election database was deleted on February 2nd, I think at like 4.45 in the afternoon, interesting, just okay. before Maricopa County was about to um, have its auditors come in and do their little risk limiting audit. So Maricopa County had hired uh, SLI and ProVNV, a couple of um, election machine companies to come in and do a risk limiting audit. And that was going to be on February 3rd. Well, on February 2nd, the day before, according to Ben Cotton, they went in and deleted the entire election database, the vote database, the vote totals, the, the log files, everything. They just deleted a million files off of the, off the election management system Nothing the day before they're going to do an audit, their little audit, right? And one of the interesting things that came out of the report, if you read through it, is when ProVNV and SLI submitted their, their audit reports to Maricopa County, they didn't mention the fact that the election database had been deleted uh, 24 hours prior to their audit. <laughs> so, I mean, what do, you, what do you make of that? You know, nothing to see here. Oh, nothing to hide. No, no, everything's on the up and up. Everything's perfectly legit. You know, we always delete the entire election database before we do an audit. Yeah. That's just how we do things. Why would auditors need to see the election database? It, it's so, amazing that these people don't get that. If it's on the internet, it's always going to be there. You can always find the, the footprints, the fingerprints, uh, the, yep. the files, the deletions, the uploads. It's all there. Well, you know, they're not sending their brightest to do this kind of work. And, we got the brightest uh, on our side. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not going to argue about that. Yeah, Ben Cotton, uh, when he announced that, you know, they they had the timestamps and they pinned it down to the exact time. Like I said, it was like 545 or, or 445 in the afternoon on February 2nd. All they had to do was go back and look at the the camera footage from the Maricopa County Election Center and find out who was working that day. <laughs> look at the security <laughs> cameras. <laughs> no, oh, okay, well, these are the people that are working today. There's these three people. I guess it's one of them. The pucker factor <laughs> so had to be got... huge. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Here's those timestamps. I mean, you can kind of make them out. The, the, the screenshots aren't that great. I'm sorry, guys, but, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> if it was there, it will always be there. Right. Uh, the Internet is forever. Our attorney general, uh, Mark Brnovich, now has enough, what I think he probably has more than adequate information to open a criminal investigation. And it was very interesting to me that Brnovich, an hour before the report dropped on Friday, 
Brnovich issued a public statement basically saying that he is committed to doing whatever is within uh, within the law and whatever is necessary to get to the bottom of what happened during the election. Um, he kind of committed to a course of action. And as the attorney general, his, his course of action is going to be a criminal investigation. So it would not surprise me if at some point in the near future, Brnovich impounds the routers. D-Lib's working it. Thank you, 165 people, for staying close. All right, we're lit up everywhere. All right. <laughs> so anyway, tell us about these routers. So there was a lot of people who were concerned that the Senate and the county made a deal to turn over the routers and logs and passwords to that third party, uh, Shadig is his, is his name. And they're concerned that this guy's going to pull some kind of uh, funny business and the Senate uh, or the, the auditors won't get actually get access to the logs and the routers. Um, I, I'm not worried about that. I think that, uh, you know, Karen Fan has done her best to negotiate in good faith. I haven't seen her do anything yet that leads me to believe that she would, she would put the Senate in a bad position. And it's possible that if Brnovich impounds the routers and the machines <laughs> and everything else as part of a criminal investigation, he could then turn that information over to uh, cyber ninjas directly and they could get direct access to it. So I'm not too worried about cyber ninjas and Ben Cotton having access to the information that they need. I think they're going to get access to it one way or another. It seems like it um, needs to happen though pretty immediately. Well, you know, timing is, is, it's another issue totally beyond our control. Um, and this is going to be a very long process just, just because of the nature of who we're dealing with. We're dealing with you now the Senate, we're dealing with uh, the attorney general's office. They typically don't do things overnight right now. The Arizona Senate is out of session. Yeah. So even, even though there is going to be uh, a committee convened that will look at information from the audit, and make recommendations um, in order for the Senate to uh, vote on a motion to decertify, they'd have to be called back into session. That's not going to happen. Mm -mm. I don't want to throw too much doom and pessimism on this conversation. And I have my, my usual spiel about how this is all going to be resolved. But first I wanted to go into some findings that are in the written report that a lot of people are probably not aware of. Now, That's is this right. coming right out of your 10 takeaways? Yep, it's coming now, from the 10 takeaways. Now, guys, make sure you, you – if you're not following Dave on Telegram, what the heck have you been doing? So make sure you go over to his Telegram channel, and you can pick up this article. You can follow along at home. Uh, I'll put it up from time to time as he's going through it, but make sure that you're going and grabbing this uh, today. Right. So uh, one of the things that I found interesting, and this is on page 56 of the report, is a mention in there that the kinematic artifact processing is currently evaluating the ballot images to do a full analysis of the types of paper utilized. A full report documenting all the papers utilized is expected in the coming weeks. And kinematic artifact, that's Jovan Pulitzer's thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were screaming and hollering over the weekend saying that the report was watered down 
and they left out key uh, parts of the report to, to make it less impactful. And if you read the report, you see that that process, the kinematic artifact process, it hasn't been completed yet. They're still working on it. That's why it wasn't included in the report because mm -hmm. it's not done yet, right? So I don't think there was an attempt to water down the report. I don't think there was an attempt to minimize the seriousness of it. There's a lot of information they don't have yet. That was obvious early on on Friday was that it was yeah. it was incomplete. Yeah, it was. It, you know, if you just listen to what um, Logan and uh, Ben Cotton were saying, it was apparent that that they were still at kind of like at the midpoint. <laughs> of, yeah. The inspection process. There's a lot of things they just had not uh, had time to finish yet. So the issue with ballot bleed through and calibration and the thin paper stock, all of that is tied to the kinematic artifact uh, detection. And that issue affected about uh, 168,000 ballots. Now, this is from the July uh, hearing where Logan and, and Cotton were presenting. And they said 168,000 ballots were affected by this issue of paper stock. Let me jump down to, this is on page 54 of the report. A large number of the ballots from in-person voting utilized paper that is not recommended by the manufacturer of the tabulators for use in the systems. This can result in higher jam rates, more bleed through, and could theoretically impact the readability of the ballots by the scanners. At this time, 10 different papers have been found. Several of these paper stocks were weights from 20 to 30 pound paper. That is extremely light paper. It's like most printer paper use, at home. Well, even lighter than that. I typically use 40 or 50 pound paper for my printer. 20 to 30 pound paper is really light. What's recommended is 80 pound paper. So they, again, um, they found this issue and they're looking into it, and that is that is going to be um, part of the kinematic artifact examination. That is not done yet, right? Mm -hmm. um, that also goes to the issue of adjudication. So we we know from a number of sources that around two hundred thousand ballots were sent to adjudication in Maricopa County in the November election. That's an eleven percent ratio and the normal acceptable adjudication rate uh, according to the federal election commission is like 0. 0.00068 right it's supposed to be like less than a, one tenth of one percent and we had an 11 percent adjudication rate and of course the issue with adjudication is uh, that's where a ballot is rejected by a machine for whatever reason it's then sent to adjudication Someone looks at the ballot and says, oh, it looks like this person voted for these candidates. They make a judgment as to what the intent uh, was of the voter. So because they're making a judgment on what that voter intended to put on their ballot, they can nullify the will of the voter. If they have a political agenda, they could come in there and take all these Trump vote uh, ballots and make them Biden ballots. Um, through adjudication. I don't think it's an irrational question to ask why. True uh, issue. That's part of the kinematic artifact detection. Use thin paper. And they did tell people to use Sharpies. We know that. Mm -hmm. The other thing about the Sharpies was prior to November 1st, okay, 
And this is a big issue. Prior to November 1st, on the Maricopa County Recorder's website, there was instruction by all, for all the Maricopa County employees who are working in the election to tell people to use regular pens for, their, for the ballots. I remember that. After November 1st, the instruction changed and they were telling people to use Sharpies, right? So they changed the instructions midway through the election process. First, they were telling people use pens. Then they were telling people as, as election day got closer to use Sharpies. Why? Why would they suddenly, and this, was, uh, this is on the recorder's website. There's uh, notices, there's emails that went out to people in the, who worked in the elections telling them to tell people to use Sharpies, to hand out Sharpies. They, they gave people boxes of Sharpies to hand out uh, at the voting centers. Why were they telling people to use Sharpies when it came to vote in person, especially in person the day of the election? Mm -hmm. That issue is huge because a number of problems cropped up after November 1st. One of them is the fact that the ballot scan images all got screwed up after November 1st. I think this is number 10 on the list, Greg. If you go down to number 10 in that article, the audit discovered 263,000 ballot images on the election system that are corrupt and unreadable. Uh, it's unclear what events could have resulted in this number of images being corrupted. The corruption of the ballot images in the election system only occurs for ballots after November 1st. That's when they changed to using Sharpies, by the way. They had 263,000 ballots where the scanned ballot images were unreadable and all of them were scanned after November 1st. In fact, the percentage was about 50%. Half of the ballots scanned after November 1st were unreadable. They had no problems with files being corrupted prior to November 1st. Okay, what happened? What did they do on November 1st that made all these ballot images unreadable? All right, so on November 1st, all of a sudden, half the ballot images that they're scanning can't be read. On November 1st, all of a sudden, they start handing out Sharpies to people. What the heck is going on? All right, I mean, that looks to me like willful misconduct. That looks like they're trying to do something to make it difficult to determine who these people were voting for. Yeah, well, the machines don't pick up the Sharpies anyway, and then if they're using that weak-ass paper, then it, it's going to bleed through and they're going right. to kick out for mistakes, and then right. somebody else can adjudicate. Right, and the thin paper issue was was most prevalent with printed on-demand ballots. Those are ballots that were printed the day of the election. When someone comes into, into a, uh, a voting center, sometimes they have to print ballots that day. You know, you're in this school district, you're in this legislative district, we have to print a specific ballot for you that has all the candidates on there. The day of voting, ballots had the most problems with thin paper, right? So you take thin paper and then you add a Sharpie into that. And then you add into that the fact that 50% chance their ballot image is not gonna be readable once it's cast and, and recorded. That is a huge setup for fraud. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, if the Sharpie bleed through, if, if anything happens, it gets rejected. A lot of people who voted, a lot of people who voted the day of the election, their ballots went to adjudication. 
They were either rejected by um, the machines or they went to adjudication for some other reason. And uh, like I said, 200,000 ballots went to adjudication. And in adjudication, it's, it's very possible that your vote gets changed. So all of those issues to me scream conspiracy to steal an election. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I, obviously I'm not the most objective person in the world, but that's what I see when I look at this stuff. Uh, you're pretty objective. You, you, you'll call it if it doesn't fit. Yeah, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, actually. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, here's another thing. This is number two, Greg. Uh, Runbeck. So Runbeck is a private company that printed a lot of the ballots that were used in the election. Runbeck, the CEO, initially agreed to answer some questions for the auditors. And then, uh, according to the report, the CEO was instructed by Maricopa County not to talk to the auditors, <laughs> right? Ah. So why would the CEO of Runbeck be prevented from talking to the auditors? And Runbeck, like I said, it's a private company that, that printed a lot of the ballots. Is there something that they wanted him to hide? Is there some information they didn't want him giving out? Is there some issue that they were concerned about? Why would Maricopa County instruct a private company that printed ballots not to talk to auditors. Here is, here's another issue, going down to number three. Uh, and, and a lot of people didn't understand the significance of this issue, so I'm going to give it a little bit of color. According to the audit report, 255,326 early vote ballots were received from Maricopa County voters who were not found in the EV33 file. Okay, so EV33, that's the early vote file. And here's how this works. In the state of Arizona, if you want to vote early, vote by mail, you have to request a mail-in ballot in writing. That's mm -hmm. state law. You don't just get an, a mail-in ballot randomly. You have to request one. Um, state law says that, that the state cannot mail out uh, an early vote ballot to anyone who has not re requested one in writing. Really? Yes. If the state sends out uh, early vote ballots to people who did not request one, that's a violation of state law. Back about three weeks ago, I posted these two questions on Telegram. I was asking people, number one, did you receive an early vote ballot by mail? And number two, did you request one in writing? If you received a, a, a mail-in ballot in the mail and you did not request one in writing, text this number. And the reason there, that we sent that out is that's a violation of state law. It, if the state sent out ballots to people who did not request one, it's a violation of state law. And that's something that Brnovich could potentially investigate, right? So according to the audit report, 255,000 early vote ballots were sent out to people who were not in the early vote file. Once you request in writing an early vote ballot, you go into the EV33 file. The only people who should have received mail-in ballots should have been the people in the EV33 file. Mm -hmm. But according to the audit report, 
255,000 ballots were sent out to people who probably didn't request one. Well, they did right? that everywhere. And that's a violation of state law. The state cannot send out ballots to people who didn't request them, right? It's not just they can send them out to anybody. They can't. It's against the state. The state says, state law says they have to request one in writing. All right. So that's a huge problem. Again, that's something that Brnovich needs to look into. Why was the state sending out hundreds of thousands of early vote ballots to people who didn't request them? In well, violation Trump was of state screaming law. about that for a long time, too. It's like, where are these? Yeah. Where are these ballots going to? Who requested right. them? Who's getting them? Who's filling them in? Right. Going to skip down to number five. The subpoena from the Senate required Maricopa County to turn over to auditors all provisional ballots that were not used and those that were cast by voters but rejected. So what is a provisional ballot? In Maricopa County, if you have requested or received an early vote ballot by mail and you show up at a voting center in per to vote in person, they give you a provisional ballot. And it's not actually counted un until and unless they can verify that you did not vote by mail. That's the way that they keep prevent you from voting twice, right? So if you, re if you receive a, a ballot in the mail and then you fill out that ballot and mail it in. And then you go into a voting center and say, hey, I want to vote. They say, well, you, you have a vote. You have a, a ballot in the mail. Did you, did you send that one in? What did you do with it? Oh, no, I lost it. I want to vote in person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you go in and vote in person. You get to vote twice. So the way that they prevent you from voting twice is if they send you a ballot in the mail, it's, it's in the EV33 file, right? They have a record of who is supposed to get early ballots. You're in, your name is in the EV33 file. That when you come in to vote in person, they check the EV33 file. If your name is not in the EV33 file, you, you should not have received an early ballot. They give you a regular ballot. If your name is in the EV33 file and they know that you received an early mail-in ballot, they're going to give you a provisional ballot and they're not going to tabulate that ballot until they verify that you didn't already vote by mail. Right? So that's a little checks and balance thing to, to make sure that people don't vote twice. Yeah. Okay. Here's the problem with that. According to the report, 58,000 voters who should have received provisional ballots because they received a mail-in ballot were actually given standard ballots. All right. What? So, so let me explain what that means. You just heard me say, if you received a mail-in ballot, your name should have been in the EV33 file. There are 58,000 people who received mail-in ballots and came into the elect to a voting center, and they were given a standard ballot. So those people could have voted twice. And we know from Dr. Shiva's presentation, 17,000 duplicate ballots were found. Yeah. Okay, where did those duplicate ballots come from? That's where they came from. <laughs> they had all these duplicate ballots because they were allowing people to vote by mail and then they allowed them to come in to a voting center and vote again with a regular ballot. Okay, the problem with that, giving them a regular ballot is eh, it's against uh, the Maricopa County voting procedures. If you look at the, the, the Arizona voting procedures manual, it clearly says... If a person has received 
already received a mail-in ballot and their name is in the EV33 file. When they come in to vote in person, they have to be given a provisional ballot. You can't give them a regular ballot because that's going to allow them to vote twice. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. 58,000 people were given regular ballots, standard ballots, when they should have been given provisional ballots. All right. So that's number six. Going up to number five, the subpoena from the Senate to Maricopa County required the county to turn over all provisional ballots that were not used and those that were cast by voters but rejected. And the auditors never got them. So the auditors are supposed to get all the unused ballots so they could make an accounting of the entire universe of ballots. How many ballots were printed and how many ballots were cast? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the auditors never got the unused ballots. So they don't know how many provisional or regular ballots were printed versus how many were cast. And that's another way to, to, for fraud to happen. If you don't know how many ballots were printed, you don't know if any of those ballots, you, they could have destroyed some uh, real ballots and replaced them with the ones that they had you know, sitting on a little shelf somewhere. There's tons and tons of opportunity for fraud here. And that's why they were supposed to get all the unused you know, provisional ballots, but they weren't turned over. Here's another issue. Runbeck is, the, is a private company that prints the ballots. I'm not certain about this, but I think they're also responsible for sending out ballots by mail. Nothing to see here. And the, the auditors were supposed to get all ballots that were returned as undeliverable and they never got them. Okay. So here's a big question. Whoever sent these ballots out, whether it was Runbeck or whether it was um, the Secretary of State's office or whether it was the County Recorder's office, I, I don't know how that process works. But if you send out 5 million ballots in the mail and you get back 4 million that are undeliverable, uh, that gives you 4 million ballots that were sent out to a, to a voter, supposedly, and then they came back undeliverable. Uh, now you have a pool of ballots that you can do whatever you want with, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the auditors were supposed to get access to all the undeliverable ballots, but they never got access to them. Again, this is another opportunity for fraud where you don't know the pool of, of potential ballots that are, were out there floating around yeah. and what was done with them. A good audit should have had an accounting of all the regular ballots, all the provisional ballots, all the ballots that were mailed out, how, how many were returned as undeliverable, and all the numbers should have matched up. And half of the data that they need, they don't have. Uh, and this is just one county. This is just, yeah, it's just one county. One county. Um, so yeah, big opportunity for fraud. Uh, let's see. The Senate subpoena required Maricopa County to allow them access to the voter registration system. Now, if you could do an audit, it would be nice to know, have access to the voter database so you know how many registered voters there are. Yeah. <laughs> how clean is the voter roll, you know, things of that nature. Well, the auditors were never given access to the county's re uh, voter registration system. Now, in December, I think this was December 4th, there was a, a couple of articles that were published in the Arizona papers about 
an FBI investigation of a hack of the voter database in Maricopa County. Uh, some of you will, will remember that news story coming out. The auditors wanted to get information on what exactly was this hacker doing? What was the intrusion about? Did they take files? Did they change files? Did they delete files? What was going on? Uh, they, they were never able to look into that because they were never given access to the county's uh, voter database registration files. So, um, and the county, when, when they were asked about it, said, oh, no, that was just a, some guy accessed publicly available information. It wasn't an actual hack of, of our system. We would not let anyone hack our system. Trust us. We have you know, tight security. Um, forget the fact that they never updated their antivirus. That was like mind-blowing. Like, From the time that the system went online, they never updated their antivirus definitions. Yeah, but they did and, a lot of other stuff. And, you know, using their Windows 7 operating system, probably never, op it, it sounds like they never, never uh, patched any of the vulnerabilities. If you use Microsoft um, operating system, when the company identifies vulnerabilities, they, they urge you to install these patches that fix those vulnerabilities. They never installed a patch to fix any of the vulnerabilities from that time the system went online. So yeah, um, massively insecure system. Yeah. So they didn't get access to the voter registration system. Uh, let's see. We talked about the fact that uh, the day before the county did its had its auditors come in, uh, they deleted the entire database, uh, and when Pro-V and V and SLI turned in their reports to the county, they didn't mention the fact <laughs> that ballot images, election file, database files, results files, and log files were deleted. Didn't bother mentioning any of that in their reports. And then 10, we've got those 263,000 ballot images uh, that were too corrupted to be read, and they all, all those images were after November 1st. So when the mainstream media says nothing to see here, Everything's fine. Biden won. You Trump losers just need to get over this. Um, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm not buying it. Nope. If, you, if you read the report, there's a lot of information in there that shows that the county is hiding um, things, hiding a lot of things. We don't know for a fact that they're hiding criminal activity, but it sure as heck looks like it. And judging by Brnovich's... Um, statement before the audit report. He also did, uh, was interviewed by Washington Times, and this article came out over the weekend. Brnovich is kind of painting himself as an old West gunslinger now. And he sees himself as a guy who has a very narrow window of opportunity to turn the tide against um, this creep of um, cultural Marxism that's being pushed by the Biden administration. So he's talking the talk. I guess we're gonna see if Mr. Brnovich walks the walk. Yeah. And he's running for the Senate. He needs Trump's endorsement. He's not gonna get Trump's endorsement if he doesn't do anything about uh, election fraud. He knows that. And I think what we're seeing from Brnovich is signals that he's willing to, to crack some skulls and make some arrests. Um, that's, that's what he's saying. Whether he actually does it or not, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, so yeah, there was talk of turning it over to law enforcement. Yeah, 
Well, the information has been turned over. I mean, before the the Friday the Friday uh, session was done, Karen Fan said, "Oh, by the way, all this information has been turned over to Attorney General Mark Brnovich." Yeah. Oh, all right. And and probably a lot of information that was not presented in the public hearing. That that's my suspicion. Um, I think that they avoided talking about certain subjects in the hearing um, on Friday because they were law enforcement sensitive, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Things that they could turn over to law enforcement that they probably couldn't discuss publicly. Like the screenshots of the people at the machines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and other things. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that they have evidence that they've found that they would not talk about publicly because it would tip people off. It's information that is likely to end up in front of a grand jury. Yeah. I'll just say that. Um, if evidence is likely to end, in, end up in front of a grand jury, you wouldn't want that being made public because then it would bias the, you know, potentially bias the grand jury. So I suspect that there's a lot of information that the Senate has that they did not put out in the written report and did not talk about uh, in the hearing on Friday. I guess we're going to wait and see what comes of it. We don't, we don't know what will happen. Uh, now we've got some information. It's probably going to be some lawsuits filed. Perkins Coy, I'm sure, is working on their game plan. Well, they've got to yeah. be busy over there. they got a lot yeah. of stuff coming down the pike they need to be working on. Yeah, they do. And, you know, we've got audits coming in Texas, mm -hmm. uh, the four largest counties in Texas. I mean, the, the county that, I don't know if it's Tarrant or Harris County in, in Texas that incorporates the city of Houston, and that county has 5 million people in the county. It's the third largest county in the country. Jeez, and that county is going to get audited. So is Dallas County. Um, there's two counties that incorporate Dallas and Fort Worth that collectively have 5 million. One county has like 2.3 million. The other county has 2.5 million. So almost 5 million people collectively in those two counties, they're being audited. The county that incorporates the city of Plano, Texas, they're being audited. That's a county of a million people. So Texas is auditing some very big counties because the attorney general, the governor, the legislature, it looks like they're all kind of on board. The secretary of state is the one who actually commissioned the audit. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of pushback against those audits. There will probably be some resistance at the county level. You know, county recorders may not be real happy about this, but if the attorney general, the secretary of state, and the governor are all uh, backing it, I don't see a whole lot of um, resistance to the audits in Texas. They should get finished up in a timely manner, mm -hmm. I'm guessing. No idea how long that's going to take. Interesting things came out of Georgia. Gateway Pundit broke a story. Let's see. Was it yesterday morning, Sunday morning, I think? The problems for Dominion are just getting worse. <laughs> I was just going to ask you so, about Dominion. Oh, gosh. Well, Dominion is the one with egg on their face from the Maricopa County audit. Dominion essentially ran Maricopa County's election. Uh, Adrian Fontes, our previous Maricopa County recorder, um, was on record saying that uh, Dominion, that one of their biggest contracts was Maricopa County. In fact, I think it was the biggest contract that Dominion had. Maricopa County, according to him, employed two full-time people and they had offices inside Maricopa County's election center and they essentially ran the election. So, Whatever fallout comes from 
the Maricopa County audit and you know criminal prosecution, I think Dominion is going to end up having a lot of damage uh, from this whole situation. Yeah. They've also got some big problems in Georgia. So, and it may be just optics, but I think it's going to be uh, more than that. So Gateway Pundit published a report yesterday morning, uh, which contains screenshots from a letter that was sent from the county's um, election supervisor to the state uh, auditor. And the letter talks about problems with accounting, specifically a lot of problems with invoices from Dominion where they couldn't understand what Dominion was actually billing them for. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't post this on Telegram, but there's one section in this letter where it's, it's an email exchange. And this woman is explaining that she cannot tell from this Dominion invoice what they're supposed to be paying for, how many hours, what services were provided. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an invoice for a lot of money. And this woman is basically saying she has no idea what the, what the county is being billed for. <laughs> this is Fulton County. One thing that did come out of that, that, um, that letter was the fact that the week of the election, half of Fulton County's election employees either came down with COVID or were quarantined because of COVID concerns. Yeah. So half of their um, election staff were taken out of service and replaced with Dominion contractors. Yeah, very at, interesting. At a price of $2,000 yeah. per person per day. And then on election day, the rate went up to $5,000 per person per day. And they were, um, they, they had like 10 or 11 uh, contractors working. The, the bill that Dominion sent Fulton County was almost $2 million. Let's take out half the workers uh, that are working the election because of COVID and let's replace them with Dominion people. Uh, conveniently, the week that all the ballots are coming in, that all the results are going to be tabulated, let's just put a whole bunch of Dominion people into Fulton County's election system. Yeah, nothing to see. No, there's what, what could possibly happen? How could that possibly lead to fraud? Yeah. So well, and the stuff that uh, the stuff that uh, Ben Cotton was saying too yesterday, uh, Friday about the the machines too. I mean, that was all Dominion. I mean, like, shoot, Dave, I showed I showed how to get admin access to the Dominion machines back in November on this broadcast. You know, there's right. like literally videos out there like showing how you It'll show you how to do it. Yeah. Average yeah. Joe Schmoke can walk over to the machine and get admin access in, in like minutes. If you put in the password, 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 it's very secure. <laughs> Nobody will guess that. <laughs> yeah. Again, the fact that um, in Maricopa County, all the users use the same password had never been changed. Mm. Um, all the, and it looks like they all logged into the same account, apparently. Yeah. Shared account IDs, shared passwords. Just like, what are you people thinking? Who, who does that? Uh, robbers and stealers. Uh, thieves do that kind of stuff, apparently. Yeah, I think Dominion was the biggest loser from all this. And Dominion is going to be losing a lot more in the future. Mm -hmm. um, that leaked audio from Steve Chukri, one of the Maricopa County supervisors, was very telling. He, he admitted 
that he knew that Dominion's um, as a brand had been trashed and that people did not have trust in Dominion machines. Yeah. Uh, and he said, this is not just, you know, far right uh, people. He said, my mother, who's like 85 years old, she doesn't trust Dominion. So the board of supervisors knows um, that Dominion has a bad name. People have lost trust in that system. And I think that the more information comes out about the problems within Dominion, it's going to put more pressure on state legislators around and, and county recorders uh, and secretaries of state. It's going to put more pressure on them to uh, take a look at their elections and do audits. Now, I'm not going to get probably a lot of action from secretaries of state because I think they're, most of them are in lockstep agreement mm-hmm. that they don't want audits. Um, if they know they've got fraudulent uh, systems, they're not going to want those things exposed to an audit. But state legislatures have the ability to order the audits. And it's going to be a fight. I think that we're, that's what we're going to see. I mean, we saw it here. It's going to be a fight between legislators and the people who run the elections. Uh, people who run the elections are going to oppose it lockstep. Legislators yeah. are going to demand it. They, you know, we have an audit. And, you know, well, we're going to issue a subpoena. And the people running the election will say, well, we're not going to follow your subpoena. We're going to ignore it. And it'll go to court, just like it did here. And I think that's what we can probably expect. It's, it's, it's going to be a long, brutal battle. Yeah. Um, I, think, uh, I think more states are, are going to conduct audits. But it's going to take a long time. It's not going to be resolved immediately. No. But wouldn't you say that we got to get this zipped up before the, the midterms next year? Uh, ideally. Yeah. But I mean, you can't use the same systems, you know, that's yeah. We ideally, we need to have our election system fixed before the 2020, 2022 midterms. But you know, how do you put pressure on States to conduct audits and get those all done in the next year? True. Um, took six months with this one. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Obviously, there's there's some urgency to do this. I don't know how you get legislative bodies and county recorders and um, those people to you know get their rearing gear and get this done. I, I don't know how that's going to be accomplished. But like, if um, they I do the, they, I think, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. I want to know. No, what you go think. ahead. Ah, <laughs> well, like, like if they get this, if they get the routers and all this other stuff that they've been lacking, if they if they start to get this and they start to they start to not only see the domestic but the foreign interference with this, could yeah. this be enough to push devolution? Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see if uh, Brnovich comes up with evidence uh, of foreign interference to the degree that it changed the outcome of the election. Mm -hmm. If Brnovich gets access to those routers and those routers show internet traffic uh, from China and and significant traffic from China, um, that's a huge problem. Yeah. That's a huge problem. And if, if Brnovich arrests people uh, and if people are charged or if the results of his, of his investigation show that China 
you know, essentially uh, hacked our election, that is going to cause more pressure on other states to conduct audits. And that could be the trigger for devolution. Yeah. Um, I do believe that, uh, I think there's a really good um, chance that devolution is happening, that we have, we're, we're basically working right now with a devolved government. And I believe at some point the military is going to step in. I mean, dude, I'm not, I'm not moving on that. <laughs> That's my bottom yeah. line. And, you know, the further that we go, it seems it, it, it's definitely. I mean, we've said it forever, but it, it definitely it, it, that's got to be the only solution. It's the only way. Yeah, because here's here's the problem that we're facing. Let's say, uh, for sake of an argument, Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania all conduct forensic audits commissioned by their legislatures. Let's say that they all find significant fraud. And let's say they all uh, convene and vote to decertify their 2020, their 2020 elections. Okay, so now you've got three states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, all decertify their elections. Mm-hmm. In theory, what that does is that takes away Joe Biden's margin of victory in the Electoral College. Got to have 270 votes. If he loses, if Biden loses Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, that's enough to take him below the threshold of 270 electoral votes. All right. That's all fine and well. That, in theory, that could happen. But here's, here's the problem we're dealing with. In Arizona, our legislature is out of session. Mm-hmm. Legislature doesn't come back into session until next year. Even if uh, Karen Fan and uh, someone like Mark Fincham in the House put forth resolutions in the House and Senate to decertify the election, we have a razor-thin margin. If we have two rhinos vote against the resolution, it's not going to pass. Yep. Right? So I think there's, it's going to be a, an uphill battle um, getting the elections decertified because we have rhinos in, in the way. And there's enough rhinos sprinkled around the country that it's going to be difficult to get uh, a, a decertification resolution passed in both chambers of the state legislatures. I'm not saying it can't be done, and I'm not saying we shouldn't try. We should try, and maybe it will happen. But w- there's 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 some uh, headwinds <laughs> that are going to oppose decertification. Mm-hmm. So let's let's just say, for sake of an argument. Arizona and Georgia and Pennsylvania all decertify their electors. Then what happens? So people point to the the Constitution and they say, well, according to uh, the Constitution, once the electoral vote threshold drops below 270, it's up to the House to take up a vote, one state, one vote, um, to determine who the president is. Okay, so that's what needs to happen. Well. Nancy Pelosi <laughs> is the Speaker of the House. She is the one who decides what measures are brought up before the House for a vote. And how do you get Nancy Pelosi to agree that we're going to hold another vote to, to get rid of Biden and put in Trump? It ain't going to happen. It's never going to happen. It ain't going to freaking happen. Now, I know there are people out there who have really 
great ideas that, you know, this is how it's going to happen in the Constitution and this amendment, and then they got to vote here, and this is going to happen, and we need to get committees and get commissions and all that. That's fine. That's, those are all good ideas. Bottom line is Nancy Pelosi, as long as she's a speaker, is never going to consent to allow this to happen. And if she does not consent, she, she simply can prevent any of this from ever being voted on. Yep. Um, Speaker of the House gets to decide what measures are voted on in the House. So I have zero confidence in Congress to be able to resolve this problem. They don't have the initiative. They don't, you know, even some of our heroes, uh, conservative heroes, would probably not be on board with this because it's too risky for them. Politicians... Uh, are very risk averse. They don't like taking risk. They don't like taking chances. And I think that um, I think that depending on Congress to resolve this problem is a big mistake. Yeah. They screwed everything up uh, on January sixth. Uh, there's no way I'm, I'm going to have faith in them to fix this. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. E even if the legislatures decertify, I don't think you're going to get Congress to vote again and allow Biden to be removed and have and have trump voted in. it's not going to happen no. uh the courts there's a possibility there um I, I think there's a good chance that at some point a judge is probably going to overturn the results of an election in some county somewhere heck who knows if the maricopa county uh, election goes before a judge here uh, the judge may vote may rule to overturn the election it's possible we might have a new election but then there's a question of what the, what effect does that have on the national vote, on the national results? So Maricopa County, one county decides, or one state, even if it's just Arizona, uh, the judge says the state needs to hold a new election. So Arizona holds a new election on what? On paper ballots? Do we use the tabulators? Do we use the machines? What happens? And if Trump wins the second uh, election in Arizona, it still doesn't change the results of the national election. Yeah, it would change the results of the Arizona election. So it's the way that this whole thing is going to be cleared up is not exactly crystal clear. We're in uncharted territory. Never been here before. None of this has ever been done before. Um, we're kind of playing jazz, you know, kind of making it up as we go. California <laughs> loves jazz, by the way. <laughs> I do too. All right. But, now, now, somebody said something in here, and I've heard it, and I've heard it, and I've heard it, and I don't think we've ever talked about it. All right. Trump, Speaker of the House in 22. Dumbest idea in the, ever. Thank you. Thank you. Can we get that on record now, please? Dumbest idea ever. Yeah. Trump is not going to run for Congress. He's not going to be Speaker of the House, and he's not going to impeach Biden. That is just the dumbest idea ever. Yeah. That's the kind of idea you come up with when you have no other, uh, no better plan. Yeah. And I think we have a really good plan in place. I think the military is waiting. The military is going to give the courts a chance. They're going to give state legislatures a chance. They're going to give Congress a chance. Uh, they already gave the DOJ a chance and DOJ said, uh, pass on that one. Thank you very much. We're not interested. So I think the military is allowing all the civilian entities to take a shot at correcting this problem. Mm -hmm. And when the civilian entities prove that they're either unwilling or unable to fix it, I think patriots in the military will step in, crack some skulls, and uh, make it right. 
Well, now they're trying to thin out the military with these vaccine mandates and, and bringing in the, the wokeness. Hmm. Why do you think they're trying to weaken the military and uh, wokeness and get rid of patriots? You know, and yeah. why, why do they want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe I, they understand the threat that the military poses. Well, there's a lot of things going on with that, right? Okay, so they're trying to do that with the vaccine mandates. I was reading articles this morning about them trying to get rid of uh, Space Force now. And yep. then you had that bill that's going through right now that's going to take away guns from ex-military. Yeah. Which, yep. which our, our congressman here, Gus Bilirakis, he will be getting phone calls from me today. I know him personally. Yeah. I will be, I will be any, talking to him and talking to him. Any Republican who voted for that bill needs to get uh, smacked hard. Yeah. They need a reality check. Well, and they snuck in in there, too, that, uh, that, that women can be drafted now, too. Yeah. Yeah. I see Wendy Rogers is putting them all on blast over <laughs> voting on that. Good for her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a mess. And I think the military is going to allow time for um, the courts and the state legislatures and Congress to fix this. But if they don't, I think the military will step in and fix it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, that's been my bottom line. <laughs> Oh, we just lost him. Dave, come back. If the devolution theory is correct, if we are in an undeclared war with China, if the president, if President Trump did uh, maybe enact a, a presidential emergency action uh, directive and devolved government and uh, nullified the 2020 election, then Biden is the representative of a foreign country. Uh, he's essentially the puppet dictator of a hostile regime. Mm -hmm. And if the military removes a hostile regime, it's not a military coup. It's not the military re removing a duly elected leader. Nope. It is the military removing, removing an installed leader. Big difference. Uh, and, and I believe that's what's going to happen. Well, and there's a lot of little things. The audit is just one piece. It's one arm of the bands of this hurricane that's rolling through. And uh, Maria Bartiromo had on Devin Nunes yesterday, which, you know, there's more talk about Michael Sussman, which leads to Mark Elias, which which leads to Perkins Coie, uh, goes yep. back to the 2016 election, uh, yep. Hillary. We're, we're talking about... We're talking about Podesta yesterday, Podesta coming yep. up, Huma's back in the news. I mean, there's all these yeah. things. Well, I think Durham's going to bring the pain. I um, think so, too. The, and so they've got multiple bogeys on their radar right now. They've got the audits. They've got Durham. Uh, I believe Durham is going to go up the chain and start taking down bigger and bigger names. And it's, it's not going to go well. For the corruptocrats in D.C. Mm -hmm. um, so enjoy the show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm back to popcorn these days. Yeah. I switched to nachos there for a little nachos. bit. Nachos. Yeah. 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 A little fat Nothing wrong with nachos. Yeah. I'm trying to lose some weight, man. Popcorn's better. Yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff that's happening. You know, I mean... It's a long game. It's a frustrating game. There's a lot of pieces to it. It's, you know, it's very easy to get disheartened, but I mean, we, we just got to keep standing firm and keep doing what we're supposed to do. Like I was talking last week with everybody, you know, 
like the most essential job out there right now is a citizen journalist, a digital soldier, us getting the information out there, just continuing just to just yeah, hammer the exactly. people with info. Yep. Uh, you know, most people do not get their information from the mainstream media. They get it from social media. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the people who follow CNN and MSNBC, uh, trust in the mainstream media is at an all-time low. So even the people that are watching Rachel Maddow and Jake Tapper don't necessarily believe what they're reporting on. Yeah. And actually, to his credit, <clears throat> Jake Tapper has been uh, hitting the Biden administration pretty hard lately. He's, he's not buying their story about what happened in Afghanistan. He's not buying their excuses. So the mainstream media has kind of turned against the Biden administration to some degree. Yeah. But like you said, our main task is to get out there on social media and to give people the facts, give them information, give them the truth, yeah. and let them decide for themselves what, what the truth is. And I'm very happy to do that. Yeah, and it's not our job to change anybody's mind. It's to present the information. We've always been like they want to. They always want to pigeonhole us and like, oh, we're in a cult, you know. But it's like our whole thing has always been to like think for yourself. Here's the information. Take a look yeah. at it. Take a look at this yeah. source. This one. This one. And and I, what is you? What do you think? You know, make up your own mind. The only cult in in the history of the world that demands people think for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it takes a certain person, though. You know, I think there has to be... I think there has to be a certain kind of mentality that goes along with it. Because, I mean, we've been programmed. We've all been programmed, you know, our entire yeah. lives. You know, but there's those of us that have been broken free. And, you know, it's a very frustrating job to go back and wake up the rest, you know, because we're, we're literally dealing with people that are like, well, it's not on the news. Uh, that can't yep. be true. Our government would never hurt us. Yeah, but, you know, we, we are breaking the programming. Yeah. That's that's what's happening, you know. Every step that they take, lockdowns, the you know, the vaccine passports, um, all the just insane stuff that they're doing, it's just waking more people up. Yep. More and more people every day are coming out of their cocoons and looking around and going, holy moly, this whole thing's a... A sham. I was lied to. These people, yeah, totally uh, deceive me. People are just waking up, and that's you know that's a great awakening. And it's worldwide too. Look, France again was it? France was the eleventh yep. weekend in a row. You got yep. Italy out there. You got Australia getting ready to do some standing up themselves. It was yeah. We got to keep Australia in prayer big time. We do. We need to. We need to pray for our Aussie mates and. Uh, encourage them to continue um, their their opposition of tyranny that they will break free uh, at some point if, if they refuse to surrender yeah what let me ask you about this because I wanted I was just getting into it this morning a little bit what is your thoughts on what on them wanting to get rid of the Space Force I suspect that they know Space Force is a threat to their power it's the only reason they would want to do it Mm -hmm. Now, they'll have some other, you know, BS uh, reason why they want to do it. Too much money, duplication of effort, whatever. But if if the swamp wants to get rid of something, it's because they believe it's a threat to their power. Mm -hmm. we, we don't really know what's going on in the space domain. But 
the fact that Trump um, prioritized standing up Space Force as another military branch tells me that what's going on in space is way more important than people realize. And I'm not going to go too much further into that, but Trump's prioritization of Space Force tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that the swamp wants to get rid of it strongly suggests that it's a key strategic asset that we need to have in order to help take down the swamp. They know it. That's why they want to get rid of it. Yeah. Now, what do you, what do you think about, uh, speaking of Trump, how about the rally the other night? It was good. Yeah. It was good. I like the fact that, you know, something just finally clicked for me when I was watching the rally. He keeps on telling people that we're going to extract $10 trillion in reparations from China yes. because they hit us with the, with the virus. And I kept hearing that, like he's been saying that for what, six, seven, eight months? Yeah. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute. Normally, who has to pay reparations? Reparations are paid by countries that lose a war. And they're ordered to pay reparations to the countries that, uh, that were victorious in the war. They have to pay for the damages uh, that they inflicted. That's reparations. And they're like, oh, so you're saying we're at war <laughs> with China? Really? And he's been telling us for, for what, a year and a half yeah. that we've been at war with China. And if we're at war, even if it's an undeclared war, right? I mean, that just plays into the whole devolution thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, little, little pieces are coming together. I thought the rally was really good. Um, He's, he's got the energy. Uh, it, it gave the base a little uh, bump of support and, and enthusiasm. Uh, I'm so glad he is still insisting that we have to fix 2020 before we even talk about 2022 or 2024. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit nauseating to listen to these rhinos and establishment knuckleheads uh, pushing you know, their own re-election and not giving a crap about what happened in 2020. But eventually they're going to get the message that we do not care about your re-election. Yeah. We want the last election fixed. That's the only thing that matters to us right now. Well, and he also pointed out that there's still been no concession. No concession. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. just so strong. And, you know, I even said to Jen, you know, Jen was watching part of it with me too, which was just like, what? What? But, uh, you know, even it was like, you know, we don't see him that often anymore. But when he comes out, you know, one of the things that's so different, and I think we kind of took it for granted a little bit before, is like he talks right to us. He tells us some, as much as he can, the inside, the go behind, the what, what's going on. You know, like he talks directly with us, you know, where you got this yeah. other administration come out and they just like shaking a freaking finger at us and you better obey and you better do this and we're taking this and this and this and this. There's such a big difference. Yeah. Most politicians would not talk to you as if you were a peer or an yeah. equal. It's exactly how Trump treats us though. Yeah. He treats us like a friend. We're a part of this. Right. Right. Um, he doesn't talk down to us. He doesn't hide things from us. 
Um, he loves he people. Himself. He celebrates he them. Yeah. <clears throat> He'll drop an F-bomb if it's necessary. Um, you know, uh, he's he's very much, he's, he's just not hiding anything. I don't think when he talks to us, he's talking to us like he's talking to friends. Yeah. And that is very, um, it's very different from how politicians typically talk to their constituents. Yeah. I love it. I do too. And, you know, it's a little disappointing that the rallies, the size is getting lower and lower. It's like there's hardly anybody going. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, what did they have, like 300 people at this rally? <laughs> <laughs> it was like people as far as the eye could see. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'd like to, yep. I remember when we used to get the breakdown of who was in the crowds. I, I would love to get the breakdown, you know. Is somebody still doing that? I, I don't know. Not sure. Remember we used to like, oh, it was like 20% Democrat was in the crowd. You know, it's yeah, like, well, it's interesting. When when Trump had um, the support of the RNC, uh, the RNC would go, they'd go in and they would take, they would survey the crowd and find out how many Democrats, how many independents, how many Republicans, mm -hmm. how many people voted for Trump, how many did people didn't vote for Trump. They had people doing the demographics on the crowd. But the RNC kind of, um, well, they're not really hip to Trump trying to get back in office before 2024. So they're not helping him out with that stuff. And that tells you what you need to know about the RNC. Yeah. Really uh, they'll no do something if, it's, if it benefits but if it doesn't benefit them, they're out. Yeah. And I, and I think... I think people are maybe starting to to wake up to the fact too that that it really is not red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican. It's shifty, shady shitheads that have been running our government amok for so long. Because you know, yeah. like everybody's getting hurt in the pocket right now. That that's yeah. not a blue or a red issue. Everybody's getting hit in the pocket. You know, everybody's getting hit with these mandates. Everybody's getting hit with so much stuff. That's not Republican or Democrat. It's just like bad things happening from bad people. Yep. Yeah, it's, it, it isn't red versus blue. It's good versus evil. And a lot of people are waking up to that truth. Yeah. And did you, and, well, of course you saw it. I know you saw it, man. How about Hillary getting booed this week? We got de Blasio getting booed this week. We, we've got more and more people going into restaurants and that you need to have a Vax passport and they're going in there unmasked, unvaxxed chanting yep. f you biden and you know it's beautiful yep. it's spreading um even the, jen the was rebellious. watching yeah jen was watching like football with gavin yesterday which i'm i mean you know i'm not a big fan of it but whatever man the bucks were playing you know but it's like even she's pointing out pack stadium but yeah, you got to wear a mask and you got to do all this stuff, you know, your kids in school and all this stuff. Everybody's like, you got to wear a mask on the plane, but you could go to all these sporting events. You can go do all this stuff. Right. The, the incongruity of, of the demands that they're placing on us is becoming more obvious. And like I said, more people are waking up to it. Yeah. They're looking at this going, there's 60,000 people in the stands. Nobody's wearing a mask. But when I go out to dinner, I have to wear a mask only t until I get to my table. Yeah, because the virus gets confused really? when you works? sit down. <laughs> it's always been so asinine to me. It's like, wait, so if I'm walking through, it's dangerous. But if I sit down, the virus is like, where the fuck did they go? I don't I don't just even... lost them. I had I'm a just... beat on them just a second ago. Where are they? 
How people have fallen for this stuff, though. Yeah, the, the stupidity of it uh, is coming out, and people are waking up to it. And yeah. uh, Biden is uh, going to keep pushing and keep pushing. Um, you know, he's he's got that abuser uh, mentality. I'm being patient with you. I'm giving you time to comply, but pretty soon we're going to have to get rough with you if you don't comply. Uh, um, that's abuse. Yeah, he's he is being forced into that position, obviously, by the puppet masters. And we're going to see more of that and more people are going to wake up. They just keep on pushing harder and harder and they're waking up more people. And uh, uh, at some point, uh, we're going to have a critical mass wake up in this country and around the world. Yeah. And we're all going to take back our countries from these corrupt, evil people. Now, Steve76 wants to know if all three movies are playing at once right now, Dave. We've got a couple of movies planned for sure. Definitely uh, Panic in DC. Yeah. I don't know if if uh, Guardians of the Pedophiles is playing just yet. It, it could be. Uh, but I think we've got Panic in DC, and I definitely think we've got uh, Spygate going mm -hmm. on. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Durham uh, comes up with. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've got multiple movies playing. Um, Guardians of the Pedophiles is going to come. And, and you know what? Ghislaine Maxwell, her trial starts in October, I think. Yep. So coming soon to a theater near you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hunter's laptop is, is making a re reappearance. Yeah, I think we're going to see some good things happening. I think the, you know, now that we have the first indictment from the special counsel investigation, I think we're going to see a lot more indictments. And uh, that signals the direction that I think the rest of uh, his investigation is, is, is taking. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of criminality wrapped up in the Durham investigation. Clinton Foundation, Uranium One, child trafficking, Pay for play, you name it. Um, Spygate, kind of. They are all yeah. like little little gears. They yep. all fit together. They, they, it's all interlocked, and it's massive. So I'm very encouraged. Um, and you know, the statute of limitations is going to run out on those crimes eventually. So uh, Durham will be forced to either bring charges or let these people go. And I'm, I'm expecting that we're going to see some charges. Yeah. It would be nice to actually see him. Durham. <laughs> there was like that one video. Did you ever see that? It was a meme of him going. He was like a wise guy in the meme. And it was like, it was totally fake, but it was just like, yes, I love this guy. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, I'll find it today. I'll send it to you. Um, I watched a video of Durham uh, giving an address at, really? at a uh, a law enforcement, um, not a convention, but there was a he was he was a, he was a guest speaker at an event on the East Coast. This was twenty back in twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen, something like that. And it's, there's a YouTube video. You can go out there and find it. Um, 
the, the funniest thing about this video is uh, the video shows the an auditorium, but you can't see Durham. <laughs> He's not in the video. You can hear his voice, but there's no pictures of him. <laughs> I'm like, great. The one freaking video that we have of Durham speaking, and he's not in the video. All you hear is his voice. Uh, it's pretty funny. So yeah, it's his um, the, the the meme of Durham being an invisible person uh, is well deserved. Yeah, yeah, beamers out there, let's get to work. <laughs> it's an exciting time to be alive. I I know a lot of people are frustrated, and they they had their hopes up on Friday and stuff. It, it it's just a piece of a bigger puzzle. But yep. you know what brings me such hope is like is all these things are interconnected like we were just talking about like there's so many things that are like this that and the other thing you know and it's like this person yeah. over here i mean it yeah. literally is like you know like maybe i should just come in with the yarn and stuff on the board in the back you know because it's it all ties together they're all shifty shady shitheads man sorry i know it's like i cuss when dave's on here and it's like people are probably like oh my god hey man you're not offending me yeah. so it's all good well, you know yeah. some people man it, it is all connected My favorite meme. I love that one. I love it. Yeah, it is all interconnected, and it's all um, it's all being unwound. Yeah. And there are good people in the right places who are going to make this happen. Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of what the doom porn pushers are telling you, regardless of what the mainstream media is telling you, there are good people in the right places, and they're going to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. I go back through some um, of the comments occasionally on Medic Monday over on Rumble sometimes, and it's just like, oh, nothing's happening. He's been saying this stuff is happening for you. Nothing's going on. And it's just like, man, it's a long game, and you really got to sit back and watch. You can't be so reactionary to everything. Every wind that blows the, the wrong way in your day, sunshine, I mean, you don't have to, like, get all afraid and then go out there and tell everybody in the world, like, oh, it's, nothing's happening. It's never going to change. It's always going to be like this. We're doomed. We're doomed. Yeah. Well, you know, that's programming. Yeah. When you talk about mental programming, that kind of conversation comes from people who have been programmed by the system uh, because they realize we have a two-tiered system of justice. And they realize, because they've seen historically, that corrupt people can commit crimes and nothing ever happens to them. So that people have been programmed over the years to believe that nothing is ever going to happen because nothing ever happens, yeah. right? Like we're all out here talking and no one's getting arrested. So they just keep playing, replaying that loop in their brain. Nothing ever happens. So therefore nothing's going to happen. And, and that's fine. I get it. Um, but you know, if you, if you snuggle up tight with Jesus and let the Holy spirit show you stuff, He'll show you some very interesting things. <laughs> I've seen some very interesting things about the future. Um, I have friends who have uh, had some very encouraging dreams in the last week uh, about the takedown of the cabal. And we keep getting these messages from God. Little reminders that uh, the day of days is coming. And so, you know, uh, Beware the fury of a patient man, because <laughs> that day is coming, 
uh, people are going to wake up one day and they're going to read the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! We keep... <laughs> What's the headline we're going to read, Dave? Oh my gosh. This is going to be the most pieced together Medic Monday ever. Ever. I'm just going to leave it open. Dave, if you're out there, you can come back in. I love being in this fight with you guys. I love being in this fight with Dave. I love I love it when we can actually... <laughs> Dave, I say that's it. You're not coming back. That's okay. But listen, I think, the, I think, I think it's so important that we recognize... And when we feel a little scared or a little nervous or a little weak or you don't think anything's happening, those are the times where we need to quiet ourselves down for a few minutes, maybe get into some psalms, all right? The psalms are great for this. David was on the run. He was hiding out. They were trying to kill him. He didn't really do, you know. And at the end of it, he's always revering God. He's always like God has come through the goodness of God, the strength of God, Dive into those psalms. Sit down, shut up, and listen to God for a little while, too, like Amy Graff always says. You know, you've got to be a little quiet sometimes. Because a lot of times we can feed our own fear by just repeating stuff or, or, like, saying our fears out loud. Remember, the enemy can hear what you say. The enemy it can't necessarily hear the inside. God can because the Holy Spirit lives in there. The enemy hears what you say. So a lot of times, sometimes... You know, you're, you're taking those fears and you're speaking them out loud and the enemy can run with that. So listen, zip it and talk to God. Get quiet. That's the rock. That's the rock. That is the rock. So, all right. Well, I guess that was, uh, that was Medic Monday for today. Um... Listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out on that fight song, and then I'm going to play uh, I'll play something else. And then we'll get back together tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Cloud Hub's up and running. We got chat over there now. Make sure you're getting over there. Facebook looks like we made it through over there. <laughs> Hi, all three people. Hi. And, uh, yeah. So let's go out there and crush it, guys. I love you guys. I'm so proud to be in this fight with you. And uh, Dave, awesome day today. And uh, I will see you guys tomorrow. Hold on, I got to produce on the fly here. All right, so here's the fight song, and then I'll play something else, okay? All right, I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. So today, I will give no place to fear or failure. I will not accept a trace of apathy in my attitude or actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness that God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted to me. I will fight. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against a spiritual enemy who opposes me. So I will draw the battle lines and face my enemy with a bold determination. My enemy fights against me because he fears me. Every time I resist him, he must flee. And every time he reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. I will make no excuses, but through every obstacle I will find a way. I will not procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not waver when I'm weak. I will not cower when my circumstances take a turn for the worse. 
because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fight. Even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I will reject the lies that echo in my mind, telling me that I don't have what it takes, that my best is behind me, or that humiliation awaits me. The devil is a liar, and my God always causes me to triumph. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord, I will fight. I'm unashamed to represent a kingdom that is unshakable. No one will be able to stand against God's plan for me all the days of my life. With my God, I will advance against every truth. With his help, I will scale every wall. Though my enemies surround me, my God surrounds my enemies. Though they may come in me one way, they will flee seven ways. Because no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every evil thing that rises against me, I will condemn, I will fight. My heart is steadfast. My purpose is immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. And my potential is unlimited because the limitless God lives within me. I will fight. The cross is before me. The world is behind me. I'll never turn back. I'll never give up. I'll never settle. I'll never stop short. I will press toward the mark for the prize that is already mine. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate me from my God. And if my God is for me, who can be against me? I will fight.